Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Justin Coos Walker joins us today on the Big 12 Watch. He is the host of Coos's Corner. Also, Hoops from the Hill. Yes, Hills. Oh. Hills, Hills. Uh, covers all things West Virginia. Also, West Virginia fan. And so, Coos, the reason why I wanted to have you on here is because you, you, uh, you know, you get to straddle the line a little bit, you know, with fandom and, and coverage. Also, you cover the right. Big 12 as a whole. And so, I remember I went on your show before the year started, talked about this West Virginia team, and I thought mm-hmm. it would take something drastic for neil brown to save his job and uh even before i think i I, i've said this pretty much outright like i was wrong about that i feel like it didn't have to be drastic when i was Mm -hmm. watching it because i was like oh they they have an identity and Mm -hmm. neil's got the play calling back and garrett green's improving and so to me you know regardless of what happens now you like a win this weekend obviously against a baylor team that you're you're better than Mm -hmm. chance at eight uh nine wins with two weeks or a week left in the season, plus the bowl game, that was not on my bingo card. I, I, I know we say, Hey, it's a big 12 crazy stuff can happen, but man, this has been a, a really pleasant surprise for West Virginia this year. Yeah, it has, man. They've, they've definitely um, proved some naysayers wrong, so to speak. But uh, yeah, it's, I mean, Neil Brown has played his or coached his way off the hot seat, basically. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I think he was still on it after that Oklahoma game. A lot of fans were and, – and, and to be frank, a lot of fans still want to move on because of his history. Mm-hmm. He's he's going to have to do this two or three years in a row probably to earn back some some trust from the fans. But but he's done it this year so far. I mean, like, you know, he could go out and lay an egg against Baylor. But uh, barring something drastic happening, I think he's pretty much coached himself off the hot seat. And I think coached is the right word. Like, how much of the, of him taking back the play calling and directing traffic on the offensive side do you think, you know, has, has caused this uh, revelation, if you will? I think it, it, it's a lot. I mean, last year was the first year in his career that he gave up play calling duties when he let Graham Harrell take it over. And he, he said that, you know, with about three games left in the season, he realized that if we want to win football games, we have to completely change who we are. Uh, that's when he decided that he was going to go with Garrett Green. He benched JT Daniels, took the play calling duties over from Graham Harrell for the last three games of the season. Uh, they won two of those three games. 
with Kansas State being the lone loss in there, sandwiched in between Oklahoma and, and Oklahoma State. And ever since then, he decided we've got to be a running football team. And he's he has went out and showed that, and he showed that it's you know it's 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 working. And he's completely, like you said, he's found an identity, and that's we're a run first team, but but we can make plays down the field if we have to. But uh, and and he's you know they're recruiting mobile quarterbacks now. They're not recruiting any more Jarrett Daggies, no more JT Daniels. It's if you can't run the football as a quarterback, you're probably not going to come to West Virginia. I mean that's. That's just the, the direction they're headed right now. Yeah, the rushing attack. You know, it really started with the rushing attack, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and and the funny thing is, Jaheim White came on later in the season. I mean, he's yes. kind of been the top dog, but like, you know, there was a there was a feeling earlier on for me where that pit game where it's like, okay, West Virginia kind of needs to win like the TCU game too, 24-21 type games. Mm-hmm. If it yep. goes above thirty, I'm a bit worried. And actually, I, I I started to lose that sense as the season went along. Now they the Houston game they lose high scoring game they get outscored and then the Oklahoma State game too they were outscored but but like relative to where they were the offense mm-hmm. did come a long way and I thought they were really creative with the rushing attack early in the season they were I think they were able to be a bit less creative like they didn't have to be as creative I think is a good way to say it because Garrett Garrett Green definitely elevated but Jaheim White coming on was huge and they essentially at that point had the three-headed monster right I mean when you when you have White you have Green and you have Donaldson back there mm-hmm. Variety is a spice of life. I mean, like you, you know, you don't have to get as creative if all those guys bring something different to the table. Absolutely. And, and you know, Jaheim, I mean, I think he does well between the tackles too, but he's really great in space. That is the one place where he absolutely uh he shines because he's a he's a burner. He's a burner. Yeah, he forced 10 missed tackles in the Cincinnati game alone. So That's crazy. Saturday. That's I mean, a lot of guys don't do that in a season. Right. And and so do, do you think like do you, do you see that? Too, do you feel like the running game developed, you know, as a okay, we're creative now, but also we're our, our players are getting better. Like we've got these guys who yeah. are just all threats, and that's kind of where it started. Yeah, er- earlier in the season, for whatever reason, our backs weren't, and of course, Jaheim hadn't come on yet. He was still a true freshman, still feeling his way out, trying to he, right. learning the system, learning what it takes to play power five football, practice habits, film habits, that kind of thing. He wasn't there yet, and some of the other backs, CJ, and some of the other backs. I don't know if something wasn't clicking with them. Uh, they mm-hmm. weren't, they weren't forcing missed tackles. They were getting, you know, they were, they were getting through the line, getting three, four yards. And then that was it, you know? Um, and it just, something wasn't right. And then all of a sudden the last three or four weeks, same things have clicked. CJ has now started to force more broken tackles before he went down with an injury, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. And it just seems like things are finally starting to click and roll again with this, with this group. And CJ looks like the CJ he did a year ago. And of course, Jaheim's now on the scene, uh, emerging as as another star. And you know, those two guys are totally different runners, as you said. You know, Jaheim's more shifty, right. making people miss in space, and CJ's your downhill, plant a foot and go and run people over type guy. So, uh, and then you have Garrett in the mix. It's it's really uh, hopefully we'll be able to hold on to all three of those guys in the offseason, yeah. um, and go into twenty twenty four with some with some high expectations for those guys. And uh, you know, CJ too. It's it's funny because. I feel like he hasn't been excellent this year, but you look at the, what is it? 11, uh, 10 straight games of touchdown. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. I mean, like that. I, yeah, nine or 10. Yeah. Oh, it's mm-hmm. the first game. He has one against Penn state. Then he doesn't have one against Duquesne. So like, you know, they didn't really need him to do that. Uh, and then, yeah, ever since the pit game, he has scored a touchdown, at least one, every single game uh, rushing the football. And it's like, that allows them to have, you know, he's the hammer, right? He, he yep. can be that hammer for them with the rushing attack and Jaheim is more shifty than Garrett. I mean, 
he's good for all kinds of runs. You know, he is, he has really come along. It just seems like he understands what, look, not a perfect passer. Obviously we know 52%, but I still feel like he's improving as a passer. I really, and I know the numbers don't feel like, but like he is getting better. And that's why I'm excited because the confidence he has, you, know, you have to think like another off season with Neil Brown, it's only going to get better. And that's why I know fans are upset. And I, I, the one sentiment I agree with is like, I don't think anybody is saying, Hey, it's another extension for Neil. Right. right. But the one reason I would say Neil has to stay is let's give him a shot to see things through with Garrett. I think Garrett has what two is have one or two more years left. That one more after this one. Right. So we got the one. So I would say, Hey man, like let's see what Neil does with this quarterback next season with no OU in Texas in the docket. Mm-hmm. And also too, let's see what he does. Uh, obviously, you know, and, and with the recruiting as well, because I know that's the one thing that was kind of odd is as hot as the seat was for Neil, the recruiting was still pretty good, pretty good for the most part. Yeah, it was decent. But, I mean, it yeah. was right on par with normal West Virginia recruiting class. So yeah, it, 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 well, yeah, it did not reflect a situation where a coach looked like he was a lame duck, mm-hmm. right? I think that's the, the way right. that's we would put it. So the big question is, all right, development, you know, on, on the offensive side of things, like can they, will they take the next step? Because that should be expected of them next year is, will they continually get better? Now, will that be right. that 52 become a 60? And I think mostly I would say the big deal is the intermediate passing, right? Because I feel like yeah. Garrett does hit some vertical stuff. It's very Max Duggan. Very yep. Max Duggan. Not great. Not great yep. eight to 10 yards. Right. I will say this, though. There have been some big third downs this year where he's he's extended plays and he's found guys and made plays mm-hmm. passing. And so that is where I'm like, I know the numbers don't say it, but he actually is getting better. He absolutely is. And like you've know, you're, you're spot on. The deep ball is his strength. He's mm-hmm. a very accurate deep ball thrower. Anything 10 yards in, he struggles. Even short screen passes, man. He, right. Garrett struggles with anything that requires to put some touch on it. He, everything to him is a fastball. That's the way Neil worded it. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's a fastball. He doesn't have a changeup. And sometimes you need to throw a changeup, especially when you're throwing to a running back out on the flat or a screen. And sometimes he struggles with that. But like you said, one more offseason, he can work on that. I'm sure he'll go to some camps. I'm sure he, you know, he has a private quarterback instructor he can work with. And if he can get that fixed, I think the sky's the limit for him, to be honest with you. Uh, he's comfortable in the offense. He's protecting the football, which had been his weakness. Right. Uh, you know, he's going to run the ball well, staying healthy, which he's been able to do late in the season because he's finally starting to slide. <laughs> and then uh, learning how he to wants the smoke. Short. He wants all he the does, smoke. Man. He, he hates, wants, he he hates, you can tell he doesn't like it. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it just improve improve on those short and intermediate passes. Another thing about Neil Brown that's a lot of people don't talk about. You know, we we a lot of us fans talked about how stubborn he was his first four years here. He didn't want to change anything. Like we would have a guy struggling and struggling and struggling, and he would never replace him because you might he might not want to play a freshman, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in the offseason, he made a decision. I've got three or four really good freshmen. They're going to play because if I don't play them, they're probably going to leave in the offseason, and I'm not going to have him here. So we've got, you know, Jaheim White, Rodney Gallagher, Traylon Ray on offense, all true freshmen playing. And we, on defense, you've got Ben Cutter uh, and some other guys who have played. And you just didn't – you typically didn't see that with Neil Brown. Now, some of it was out of necessity with injuries, but the guys on the offense, that wasn't the case. He played them because they're talented and he wants to keep them around. And he's found creative ways. Like Rodney, for example, he's a wide receiver. But his route running's not – he played quarterback in high school, so his route running's not polished yet. Mm-hmm. So what's he been – but he's athletic. So what's he been doing? He's been giving him the ball on on, uh, on reverses and, and screens and things like that just to get him get him the ball in space. So 
it's uh it's been real interesting the different ways he he's he's been willing to change and adapt and also found creative ways like you said earlier to get guys the football and especially in the run game yeah, and then for them, you know, on the defensive side of things, I think almost their best defense is like their ability to keep the football, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is not a, and you'll see this, this is not a uh, defense that pops physically. Um, and so I think because of that, they have they have gotten, you know, they, there have been some games, right, where things have not gone as well. I think they're what, like 80th in the country in points allowed. Like yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd look for more of the, you know, some of the other the, the numbers in terms of, some of the other stuff like red zone defense, and whatnot, but uh, not a particularly great defense, but I mean, still the point, like you're about to be eight and four. So it's been good enough. And I, I will say this. I think the early season returns on the defense were what really, I think I knew like, against Penn state. That's a first game of the year. And I, you know, kind of unsure road environment, but I wasn't like blown away by Penn state's performance and the pit game happens and Pitt's offense has been bad this year too, mm-hmm. but you go to the tech game too. I know a tech loses shock in that game, but Baron Morton's played a ton. So it's not like, you know, the guy's never, never played before. And then they had the TCU game too. And I think at that point you're like, all right, this defense is, is, is good enough. Now things flipped after that for them defensively. Right. And I, that's what I was worried about. I was like, they're, they're probably going to slow down. And I think was it, which game was it where they had all the injuries? Was it TCU? TCU game. They yep. just, I mean, like they were carting, carting guys off every other play, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's been the issue down the backstretch, but like the first part of the season, their defense kind of held up their end of the bargain waiting for the offense to improve. Yeah. That's, and that's, and it's funny because the offense and defense kind of after the bye week, they kind of reverse roles. The offense started clicking and playing better. Right. The defense started to struggle. I mean, that Oklahoma state game, for example, we lost that game because of defense and some stupid boneheaded mistakes on special teams uh, is what lost that game. It really wasn't the offense. It was the defense. So in Oklahoma, they never won. No, nobody played well in Oklahoma, but that's right. kind of, that's kind of an anomaly. But. Yeah. On the Oklahoma state game, they got, I mean, Ollie, as good as Ollie was like those whole, I mean, you and I could have scored, uh, you know, yeah. from 50 yards out and some of those holes that they, I mean, he's explosive and everything, but like the end of the game, yep. the last two touchdown runs, they, the front was just out of gas. They were yeah, absolutely yeah. out of gas. So he ran, they've been pushed around a little bit at times this year. 150 yards in one quarter. Yep. Is what he had in that game in the fourth quarter. So, yeah. And he had 130, I think before, <laughs> before that. Right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, you know, he's, like he had a, he had a day. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I will say like, for a defense that I mean, who would you say the best defensive player is? Bishop, Our best defensive player is probably Benny Bishop overall. Yeah. Right, from a talent standpoint, yeah. I mean, like I think he's obviously the guy you look at. Lee but like Cobra's, not a Lee Cobra would be up there too, Our right? Middle linebacker. No, but not a lot. Like, there's not a ton of guys that we're pointing out, you know. Um, and so I think that's probably the area of focus, right? Where it's like, all right, if I'm portaling, that's where I'm doing because mm-hmm. offensively. Probably, how much the offensive line they're going to lose? I know they return everybody. We lose Zach Frazier at center. Right. Uh, we lose Doug Nestor at right tackle, and that's pretty much it. Now, Wyatt Milam, our left tackle, could decide to go pro. Mm-hmm. I don't think he will. Uh, he's a junior. He's eligible to, and he does. You know, he he could potentially get drafted, but I look for him to come back and and try to finish things up. Probably get a decent NIL deal and finish yeah. out his career at West Virginia and, and, and improve his draft stock hopefully next year. But we we're going to return pretty much everybody on offense with the exception of those two guys um, and a couple couple receivers that don't, you know, Devin Carter, at rece- we do lose Devin Carter. He, he's, he'll be a loss for us at the receiver position. Yeah. But that's really it. And then uh, defensively, we lose B- Bishop and Coba, our two, mm-hmm. arguably our two better players, uh, and a few other guys that, you know, may not play as much. 
but we return a lot of guys next year. That's 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 what another reason I think Brown coming back is probably the right move at this point because we have a lot of young players that are contributing on this team, and if we can keep majority of those guys in in place, and then replace the ones we leave through the portal, and have the same success we had this year, because he you know Cole Taylor at tight end, Beanie Bishop, we had we, you know we've had a lot of good success through the portal this year, so. If we can repeat that again and keep most of the guys, you know, on campus, then I think uh, I think twenty twenty four could be an even better season for us. Yeah, and that's kind of the big question, right? And and the you know, when we talked about like the concerns of not firing Neil Brown last year, to me it was about the future, saying like, okay, do you want to spot the new schools a year of adjusting? Mm-hmm. And like you basically wiping the slate clean after they've had a full season. And then you're adding, you know, and, and obviously uh, along the way now, uh, and before, we knew this before the season, but like you're adding four new schools, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the Pac-12 schools. Right. Um, you know, do you want to make sure like you're ahead of the adjustment? Do you, do you want to, you know, spot them a year and then fire a coach and go backwards? And um, at least for the time being, it seems like it's not the case. Now, I, I think it kind of works out perfectly. Honestly, it's like, all right, we can actually see how real this thing is. Um you know, in, in this changing conference, but I think about West Virginia next year, because I think it's hard to project into the future, but next year, at least in this conference, you know, I was thinking about the quarterback spot, like in terms of quarterbacks, it's going to be a more emerging league next year. Yep. Uh, because, you know, I think, I think about like, you know, guys like Donovan, like I think Donovan Smith's actually pretty good. Uh, that team, Texas, uh, Houston does not run the ball at all. Uh, they should give him some help. Right. Yeah, agreed. But like, you got Gary Green, who is, improving and getting better next year could be a big year baron morton improving getting better he'll actually have the reins solely to himself next year uh will howard you know i think i believe he will stay for one more season as well can you know continually trying to build towards his nfl career so you think about those guys you know trying to uh to uh, get better and improve and like that group uh, josh hoover at tcu another one of those guys too Mm -hmm. so there's kind of this interesting middle class group of quarterbacks where it's like, I wouldn't be shocked if any of those guys took a major step forward, right? I mean, we saw Max Duggan go to New York, so it feels like anything's really possible in terms of how good quarterbacks can be from season to season, especially just kind of getting older. Sometimes helps them right. out. So I think they're good in that spot. A big question for them is, you know, like, what, how's the schedule shape up? I think a lot of this is schedule. I think I think we've seen it this year. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma's not very good, but they're about to sleepwalk to 10-2, and two, uh, and that's because the schedule, right? Oklahoma State avoiding Texas was obviously huge for them and pretty favorable schedule getting a lot of the good teams, Oklahoma, K-State, uh, Kansas, all played them at home. So schedule is a big factor too, but I just think about generally what's going to happen next year. I mean, we'll see what Iowa State – I feel like Iowa State and West Virginia have been pretty even this year. Like those two teams, like if they were on a neutral field, it would be like mm-hmm. essentially a dead heat, I, I think. Um, and so I'm wondering, yeah, is, is, it, is it kind of a sixth, seventh in the league heading into the next season, you know, kind of kind of that, that, that middle tier? I think it's a chance. I think there is a chance. I really am though concerned about the, the defense. I think that's a big spot. I think it's a big spot for a lot of these a lot of these schools. Yeah. Um that's 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 kind of the big challenge is like can you get good defensive players cuz right. it's hard to in the Big 12. Yeah, and the, and the, you talked about the schedule. I mean, that's actually one of the arguments the fans who want to get rid of Neil Brown are using is saying, "Hey, you know, we avoided Texas. We avoided Kansas. We avoided Kansas State and we avoided Iowa State." And mm-hmm. we we replaced them with the four newcomers. So, a lot of you fans are saying, "Yeah, so Neil, we really haven't beat anybody. We've only beaten one team with this going to finish the season with a winning record more than likely. So, and that, which would be Texas tech. So that's a lot of fans are saying, but he still hasn't beaten anybody that's any good. 
we still haven't been ranked in the top 25 during his tenure. And I, and all of that is fair. It, it's all fair mm-hmm. criticism. Uh, but I, to me, if you look at the landscape, like you said, with the new teams coming in, do you really want to start over right now? And is the risk really worth it? Uh, it's not like we're, it's not like we're, you know, uh, one and 11 or one and 10, you know, we're eight and four, seven and four, you know? Right. So, I, I just I just don't think the risk is worth getting rid of him right now with all this young talent uh, that we have, and with he's shown that he's willing to t- change and and do things differently, and and tweak where he has to tweak. And to me, he's in, he's checked all the boxes he needed to check as far as changes he's made. Yeah, they didn't lose to a team. You know, the the Houston game's a hail mary at the end of the game. Like, right? They, they really don't have an actual. They didn't get beat by anybody that's worse than them. I feel like this year. You, know, you could say, okay, Houston, like, yeah, but like they they let a game winning drive, a legit game winning drive, and won that game. Yeah, and uh, you know, hail marys are hail marys; they do happen, right? Um, so like, I guess that's you know, how, it, you can basically view it however you want to. It's a choose your own adventure on how you view that game. But they've beaten basically every team they should be, and a lot of them they've they've been pretty convincing. Like the when they've played the three newcomers they played here towards the end, mm-hmm. UCF, BYU, and Cincinnati, they handled them all pretty easily. Like yeah. none of those games were particularly difficult for them. So that's good. You want to see them doing that. And then also too, you know, Hey, you get a win at TCU earlier on in the season, right? Texas tech, like still like, you know, Texas tech kind of used themselves as should have been better than you this year and you beat them. So I, I think that's kind of the encouraging part is like, you didn't have a loss where you're like, man, we were, cause I mean, that day against Houston, like they were not markedly better than Houston. Right. But the type of play they lost on kind of, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's difficult, but yeah, they were never really outplayed by somebody who was, Worse than them, I would say. Right, I agree with that. I mean, I think it's a West Virginia fan would argue that we should have beat Houston, and we and to be honest, our defense played a terrible game that night. Yeah, bad. Uh, but our offense played really good to offset it. Uh, and there were just some fluky things that happened, um, you know, in that game, obviously. So, so yeah, Houston shouldn't have won, but they did. Uh, mm-hmm. But the fact that it was in such a fluky fashion, and really, you know, Garrett Green doesn't take his helmet off in the end zone, that outcome may be different, you know. All right, man. Uh, where can folks find you? And so you you do think he retains his job? Have they said yet? Have they done the public thing where he's coming back? They have not no. done anything publicly. Uh, but I, my gut is that he will. Three guys before the game, which is a podcast run by three West Virginia media guys who are all uh, well connected and, and follow the team. Tony Caridi is actually the public address or, or the uh, radio announcer for the team, play by play guy. He he's they're saying that he's not going anywhere. So yeah, I trust what they say. I think that's smart. I think it's smart, especially the, you know, the, the financial situation and obviously basketball too. Mm-hmm. They're in a holding pattern there to see what they're going to have to do, you know, get a new coach or not. Um, which I think, I mean, I don't know what's your feeling on that. Right. I I think they're probably going to end up having to just, I mean, the, the big 12 is about to be a murderer's row. Like you're adding Arizona, <laughs> you're adding Arizona now into the mix too. You just added mm-hmm. Houston, right. And, and West Virginia, like you could say, well, they added more teams below them, but like, that's not, I don't think West Virginia basketball fans want to hear that. That's that's not the way you should look at it. You should be like, we want to be competing towards the top. We just came off having a coach who's a Hall of Fame coach, and that means that mm-hmm. we want a lot, right? So I think right. the idea is they should. And they look, and they weren't. They were pretty ordinary last year, and they were in the tournament. I think it was eight nine seed. Yes, last eight, year. I think I think we were. If ordinary is an eight or nine seed, then that means that you are, you know, uh, you're a pretty good basketball program, and I think West Virginia doesn't doesn't want to think, oh, BYU's in the conference now. That's good to have a team behind us. It's like, no, Arizona's in the conference now. We want to be closer to Arizona than yeah. we are, you know, to BYU and yeah. schools like that. I mean, Huggins set that standard, and and right. we 
which, you know, in all, in all fairness, the team had declined the last two to three years. Yeah. But then he goes out and gets this awesome transfer class. So the expectations were extremely high in Morgantown until the whole debacle happened with him and the DUI and all that mess. Um, most fans, I think, are kind of this, – this season's kind of a gimme, so to speak, at least – Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it is. I, I, I don't see how you can put any expectations on this new coach and this new rock, this new staff. I mean, they literally have eight players available uh, on scholarship right now that are eligible. So eligible and healthy. So I mean, how can you? And, and two of those, two of those guys probably wouldn't even be in the rotation normally. So right. I, I don't know how you can even expect them to to, to win a lot of games. Uh, now they're the team's not going to look at it that way. But as a fan, that's how I'm kind of, this is the first time in my life I'm probably going into a season with no expectations because I just I don't think it's fair to do that. I'm just going to enjoy watching the games and if they win, it's a bonus for me. All right, man. Where can the where can the people find you and your work and all of its variety? Uh me on Kuz's Corner. Uh if you're if you're listening to this, it's spelled C-O-U-Z apostrophe S Corner. I cover West Virginia football. Big 12 football conference realignment. Uh, you can find me on Hoops from the Hills, where I cover West Virginia basketball with a with a with a partner. And then uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Coos206. If you want to interact with me on social media, that's probably the easiest way to do so. And and I All always right. appreciate Josh for bringing me on the show. It's always fun. I always love talking to you. It's it's always great perspective to uh to to hear you talk about it. West Virginia. Obviously, nobody covers it better. So Justin Coos Walker, talk to you soon, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, Josh.